We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on State's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? It's just a mess in here, isn't it? It's it's later than it should be because we're both pretty tired. <laughs> Wee. Yay, Monday night programming, keeping us up all night. Uh, but at least it's quality programming. Uh, we'll, we'll talk yes. about that later in the show. Let's, of course, mention up here at the top, we're going to talk with Amanda Williams uh, from Sound on Sight, our very own NCIS reviewer. Later in the show, uh, she came onto the DVD shelf so that we could talk some house, which apparently just had a huge mega DVD release, so people are hopefully uh, interested in that and will enjoy our segment with her. That was a lot of fun. But before we get to even our Weekend TV, a few comments and tweets from you guys. We heard from Keith, who loves Person of Interest and is glad to have it back. Now, you are going to be watching some of that. Uh, yes, I actually did watch the premiere, and I've got the second episode sitting around somewhere. But uh, I, hopefully by next week I'll be caught up and can discuss that a bit, because I know people do watch it. And I, I did enjoy the premiere, so we'll we'll get to that at some point. Yep. He also said he's going to check out uh, Nashville for Comedy Britain, because, of course, that's up online right now. It's going to premiere on Wednesday. And wanted, he wants to know what we thought of Ben and Kate. Obviously, we talked about last week. We're enjoying that, and we'll get to Ben and Kate a little later in our week. But uh, before that, we also heard from Ken. We talked We talked a little Bears. Bears had a good showing this week. Go team. And then also he... Uh, a pretty great tweet about uh, Revolution that I enjoyed about uh, Giancarlo Esposito and how he's like the creepiest smiler ever. Uh, well, I don't know. It's him or Claire Danes. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and then also I had a, a rather entertaining and uh, marathon conversation with Corey about Les Mis, which was... Uh, it got, it got a little it heated. Really, but... is, is conversation the word for that? Well, it's all in good fun, though. It was all, you know, it's all good. So we, we uh, I'm sure we'll have more... To say to each other about Les Mis once once that comes out, but uh, let's let's talk quickly about uh, Sound on Sight. We have the thirty one days of horror going on. Yeah, basically seven writers each tackle a horror film a week, supposedly sticking to a certain subgenre. Although uh, I'm supposed to be doing experimental horror, and I'm not sure if everything I'm doing qualifies. On Saturday, I wrote about a 1983 Austrian horror flick called Angst, uh, and there's lots of other reviews going up as well. This coming Saturday, I should be watching uh, In My Skin or Dans Ma Peau, which promises to be one of the most blood-curdling experiences ever, but I won't explain why. Just that title's enough for me. You know, I don't need don't need more horror. I can fill in the blanks. Oof. Um, there's also the, the <laughs> Podcast Award nominations are going on right now, and uh, we would appreciate if you are interested... Uh, if, if you can take the time to go over and nominate uh, Sound on Sight, Masterpiece, any of the the podcasts from the website, you know, I, I don't think we really 
care about winning so much as it's just getting it's, on the on the lists would be good it, it brings a little extra exposure to to the website and the family of podcasts that we have going on um so i i went i voted for sound insight i voted for a couple of my other you know different genre for some uh stuff you miss in history class under educational and uh, more more than one lesson under a religious but if you're going to vote uh for the podcast awards we'd appreciate the consideration all right. Yes, that is absolutely true. And we 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 got on the short list. Sound on site did for a few years, and then we we disappeared last year. So that was a bit sad. So we're hoping to get back in this year. Fingers crossed. We'll have to see. I think it's just this week, right? It's done after this week. I don't know, but probably something like that. Yeah, it's coming up soon. So get your votes in. We didn't get any iTunes uh, ratings or reviews this week, but maybe for next week. That's another way you can support the show if you are interested. Uh, but uh, let's get into our week in TV because it's uh, it's another long one. Lots of yeah. lots of shows. Uh, before we get into Tuesday, uh, there are a few pilots that showed up online this week, uh, up on Hulu that you can stream. So uh, you know, I checked them out. Of course, you're up in Canada; you are unable to because Hulu hates Canadians. A single tear. But let's see. There was Nashville, which I think is uh, one of the best pilots of the year. It's it's really uh, quite good. It has a very strong cast, and I think they do a good job with the music. So I highly recommend checking that out. It's going to premiere this Wednesday, October 10th at, I believe, 9 o'clock Eastern, something like that, maybe 10. Um, then there's also Chicago Fire. Oh, Nashville's on ABC. Chicago Fire's on NBC. I was far less impressed with this one. It's a um, quasi-procedural soap or melodrama following the, the members of a Chicago firehouse. Um, so firefighters, EMTs, that kind of a thing. It was, yeah, it was underwhelming and uh, not definitely, it's not for me. But if you're looking for, um, Jesse Spencer is one of the leads. Of course, he's from House, Dr. Chase from House. If you're, looking, if you're a fan of him, if you're a fan of the rest, some of the other cast members, you, you might enjoy this one more. So let's move on and talk about our weekend TV starting on Tuesday with Ben and Kate, Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I, I, I'm really glad both of the uh, new Tuesday Fox comedies got full season pickups, which I wasn't well, expecting because nobody's watching them. Well, I guess Mindy Project only got six episodes or whatever. No, full se- Ben and Kate got six and Mindy Project got nine. Well... It's something. something. (laughs) It's something. At least, I mean, frankly, given the ratings they've been getting, I was sort of thinking they might just get axed. Mm -hmm. So, eh, whatever. Um, And I I like both of them. And the thing with especially Ben and Kate is I feel like it's still a little off balance where with the sidekicks and, you you know, versus the sibling stuff, I feel like it's still a little bit out of whack and we don't quite know where all the pieces fit yet, but... I did laugh quite a bit, so that's something. And I feel like Dakota Johnson got a lot more to do this week in terms of actual comic acting, and she's great. And uh, there's a reason that, they, that she's suddenly the lead on a, on a show like this. And um, and hey, Alan Ruck, you can't argue with that. Yeah, you, you cannot argue with Alan Ruck. I was very glad to see him pop up as the uh, principal. Uh, principal Feeney, loved it. Not a Boy Meets World fan, I take it. Uh no, sorry. No. Oh, Maybe Fe- we'll shelf it one Feeny. day. Uh, no, that's a show from my childhood on the old ABC uh, TGIF lineup. I watched that show way lo- Oh, That show existed way longer than it necessarily should have, but uh, but I watched it for far too long. And, of course, the parental character, the, uh, the, the, the 
principal character on that show is Feeny and uh, is was fabulous. So that was a nice little shout out. And uh, if they're going to keep making jokes like that, I definitely am going to keep sticking around. I, I'm not as big a fan as you are of Ben and Kate. I, I didn't think that the Dakota Johnson character, that her material was that great this week. I thought she did a good job with what she was given, but it, just, it wasn't funny to me. So I, I think they still haven't found the sweet spot, at least if they're going to mesh up with my comedic preferences. Of course, they may not. Comedy is such a personal thing. Um, But it's definitely, like you said, it's a good thing that that they're renewed for at least a few more episodes um, rather than some of the other comedy offerings this this season. Though no terrible shows have gotten pickups either. So at least that's that's something. It's it's been encouraging so far. Well, let's talk about uh, the next show, though. Let's talk about New Girl. This was Fluffer, and it was uh, rather Jess and Nick centric. What did you think? I'm I'm hoping New Girl enjoys its short lived status as best live action comedy till It's Always Sunny gets back next Thursday. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really really enjoyed this one. Um, the the my, my only caveat with New Girl is when they try to go serious, it just generally doesn't work and. There's a perfect example of it in this episode where we get that great Schmidt B-plot about him pretending to be Tug Romney, <laughs> which was just brilliant. Oh, it was fantastic. But, but then at the end, they try to make it about his daddy issues, which is like, no, don't do that. Don't make it like, I don't know, maybe it could have worked, but it was just an awkward segue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, like the, the Just Nick stuff, I actually, uh, I've actually had that conversation with mm-hmm. someone, except trust me, I was much less genial about it when I had it. <laughs> Uh, it was no fun. So I, I was uh, so prof to them for, you know, hitting on hitting on something real there. It's, you know, it's tricky to already be navigating the will they, won't they waters so hard so early. But uh, hopefully they can do that without sort of getting into schmaltzy territory too often. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, I like what we got this week from them, except whenever they whenever they have those two characters just start yelling over each other incessantly which is something they first did last season and they did it again here it feels completely false it doesn't feel like that's really their characters it feels like they've instantly devolved into six-year-olds because the the plot wants them to um because that's not how they interact with anybody else at all like there's no basis well, for that they have chemistry no that's not how that works <laughs> <laughs> and so it just it feels like an utter falsehood to keep the two from getting together. Like it feels like such a construct to keep them from getting together so that when they do get together later in the season or later in the series, it you know will be a surprise or it'll be well we gave it a shot despite the fact that we act like idiots and start screaming randomly. Um other than that though, I I do think this has one of the lines of, of the week in uh, in Nick's assertion that the uh, Ikea furniture is high stakes Legos because that's hilarious <laughs> and that's pretty much how, I, how I, I felt about them in the past so that was it, it's just such a perfect way to put it you know that was, that was great and then of course like you said the Schmidt stuff with Romney was was hilarious and I hope we get a shout out to that at some point in the future so I'm, I'm, I'm sure we will and also Winston's mental cheating face killed me almost every time <laughs> especially when it showed up in the mirror in the back of one shot that was a that was a great touch yeah yeah we'll see we'll see where that goes we'll see if they keep him with his girlfriend or, or you know if any shading they can give to Winston is uh, sorely needed and much appreciated yes. so We'll see what happens with that. Now let's uh, move on to Mindy Project for our almost entirely Fox Tuesday 
uh, lineup here. Uh, this was hiring and firing and saw Mindy, put, you know, again, squabbling with, with Danny, but uh, in charge of hiring a new nurse. The, uh, I'm still enjoying Mindy Project. I feel like we have a schism as to which Fox, new Fox comedy we enjoy more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I feel like Mindy Project has this problem where, you know, clearly they're going to be cycling her through a variety of different romantic prospects. And, you know, it's obviously not going to be Seth Meyers because come on. And just for, for so many reasons. And it's just like, I can't care about anything to do with the two of them really. Yeah. I don't know. This, this show just works better for me than it, than it does for you, I guess. Cause it, here's right after I complained about the squabbling and the yelling over each other on new girl in this episode, it, it was fine. It didn't bother me at all. So I don't know if it's just the, you know, dynamics of the, those characters haven't been set up yet. Um, and so therefore that's why, um, I don't have any trouble with it, but, um, yes, obviously they're not going to get her together with Seth Meyers cause he's not going to be on the show, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's still, it still, uh, works for me just cause it's nice to see him get a gig other than sitting at the update desk. Oh, really? You, you should rent New Year's Eve sometime. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> I, I'm trying to pretend that doesn't exist. Anyways, uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens, uh, if they can balance the workplace dynamic a little better or not, but, um, it's still promising, I think. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think both new, the, the the point I was trying to make earlier, uh, haphazardly, is I'm glad they both got more episodes, because to me, they're, neither of them is anywhere close to perfect, but I think they've both got encouraging room to grow, whether or not they'll actually both get it. Well, and, and of course, you'll get New Girl, I hated the pilot of New Girl, I, it was one of my least oh, favorite yeah, pads of the good. year. Uh, and that show has become one of my favorites on TV right now. So, they, you know, there's a lot of room here still. Uh, let's talk about uh, Parented and the talk. So you love this music. I need to have a talk with Jason Kadams. <laughs> what the hell, man? He's up on that shit. Come on. Just, <laughs> there's There are so many scenes in this episode in particular, and it's not just about the music, it's about the mixing. Like, they'll be having a quiet conversation, it'll work really, really well, and then, uh, do, 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 uh, this, just, stop it! Just let it go! <laughs> let it just, let the scene exist! You've got great actors, you've got really good dialogue, you've got interesting situations! Don't, ah, uh, is it just me? Well, it doesn't bother me at all, so... Between the two of us, yes, but that, that's probably just because I don't know anything about indie pop music or it, 90s it's, it's pop not about, or it's, what. It's, it's not about the music. It's about the, like, there, is, there are scenes where the music practically drowns out the dialogue. Yes, but I'm used to watching Doctor Who where Murray Gold's music just bashes you over the head. So maybe I'm just more inured to, you know, sound, that, especially I'm, I'm more tolerant with, usually with, uh, with soundtracks as opposed to scores. Uh, so, so maybe that's why it doesn't bother me as much, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll pay a little more attention to it this week and I will report back on my findings. Yeah. And anyway, I know it's driving you nuts. <laughs> it is absolutely driving me up the wall. Kadams. Um, but, uh, I, I did really enjoy, especially the Dak Shepard, uh, and his wife, sorry, whose name I forget, uh, plot this week with their, uh, son and the N word. I thought that was sensitively but not too sensitively handled yeah uh, the the way that the kid hears the word for the first part is just hilarious i should have seen this coming <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have to say also for for fake network tv show rap that was fairly credible fake network tv show rap so good for them um the I, i'm also still really really enjoying the uh, ray romano stuff even though 
I feel like the fact that we haven't seen Jason Ritter for a couple episodes kind mm. of tells us everything we need to know about where this is headed. Yeah, I'm a little uh, leery about where it's headed based off the promo we got this week. The next week on uh, has me a little nervous, but we'll we'll see. Hopefully they've handled everything else that I've been nervous about well, so hopefully they do this well as well. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts or should we move on? Let's, let's move on. It's still good. Still, you know, solid. Very, uh, very, very much. Still not Friday Night Lights good, but it's still good. All right. Yeah. Next we have 30 for 30, with, which came back for its first uh, documentary of the month or the season, and that's Broke. Uh, what did you think of this one? Uh, you know, I... When we uh, initially started covering 30 for 30, uh, when we did the um, the anniversary show recap thing on it, um, we, you you were quite glad that a lot of the episodes turned out to not be feature length because that meant you had more time to do other things with your life. Uh, then I'm looking, <laughs> But now I'm looking at the list of docs for this new season. I'm noticing a lot of them are feature length, which has me nervous because uh, this one, which was directed by Billy Corbin, who also did the U last season, uh, really, really needed some trimming quite badly. Uh, this was about um, sports uh, sports stars and how they squander their millions and millions in, in cash, uh, some of which they don't have even from the outset, uh, when they when they get a new contract, sort of just what happens with it. And a lot of it was just sort of stuff I either already knew or could have inferred pretty, pretty easily just from hearing a headline about somebody going broke. Um, some of it was interesting. In particular, there's uh, quite a bit of genuine pain in those scenes where they discuss, uh, shall we say, gold diggers. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's out of the question. But uh, yeah, a lot of this was not that interesting to me. Oh, I didn't think it was that long at all. Uh, maybe it was because I watched it earlier in the week when I was less pressed for time. Uh, so that might have helped. But I, 70 minutes, that does. I, I know that 70 minutes is feature length, technically, but... Nowadays, that doesn't feel feature length to me. I, mean, I guess I'm just used to those two and two and a half hour long movies. But uh, for for this one, I thought it was interesting. Uh, yes, there's a lot, bunch of stuff that you could infer, but hearing the first person perspective from that, I think, was interesting. And I especially appreciated you know, seeing the people that they're interviewing that they get on here who have you know had this experience, seeing their perspective on it. Most of these people years after declaring yeah. bankruptcy, so like they've you know, made all the money, lost all the money, and then now they're at where they're at. They don't really talk about, the, you know, these the talking heads, the people that they had brought in. They don't talk about their current situation, but I think they ha they, they did a good job of who they chose because those people, the people seemed like they all had perspective on it, which was appreciated. And I also liked that they included a few people who didn't have that experience, who did use, you know, spend their money wisely or, and did come up with a different careers for when they were done. Um, and so I, I think having that contrast was, was smart. And so, you know, I, I yeah. like this one a lot more than you did. I, I think my main problem was them spending about 40 minutes on uh, the first 40 minutes of the doc, just explaining how opulent these people were getting. I was, and after mm -hmm. a certain point I was like, okay, I get it. They have a lot of money. They're spending a lot of it. The uh, Let's see. We have three more for 30 for 30, and then there's going to be one around Christmas. So we'll see. You know, I think this is the thing with 30 for 30 is it's always so, so much dependent, or at least it seems so much dependent on whether the specific topic interests you. Yeah. So we'll see, uh, you know, if we appreciate next week a little bit more, which is, I think, about uh, one of the Olympic 100 meter sprint yes. uh, controversies. So. 
We'll uh, talk about that next week, then. Let's move on to Wednesday and the Supernatural premiere. We need to talk about Kevin. Uh, you I, you did not check this out, I, I believe. No, I, no. I felt like I would be very confused. <laughs> yeah, so th- they picked up... Uh, of course, this was, like I said, this was the series premiere, season premiere, and they picked up uh, about a year after the last season ended with... Uh, Dean sent to purgatory and 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 Kevin the prophet snatched away by the king of hell and Sam just kind of by himself. So I think they did a good job um with where they picked up and it seems we're going to be getting some flashbacks to kind of fill in some of the time. Some of those work better than others. The Dean flashbacks work a lot better than the Sam flashbacks as far as I'm concerned. Um some of that's just because Dean has a more interesting story and some of that's because I, I'm not that interested in watching Jared Padalecki feel angsty. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's his strength as an actor. Um, I think he's better when he's allowed to be a little more fun. Um, so we'll see uh, We'll see what the rest of the season brings. But I think it was definitely a strong start. And I'm, I'm hopeful that with this new showrunner that they'll be able to recapture at least some of the earlier season magic as opposed to the state that the show has sort of dwindled to in the last two seasons. Um, that's, but let's, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Key and Peel. Hold, hold on. Before, before we get to Key and Peel, shouldn't the king of hell just be the devil? I'm confused no, about that. No, Lucifer's locked in a cage. A very okay. shiny cage. He's locked in a cage with, with Michael. And uh, theoretically torturing their, their uh, step or half-brother for all of eternity. So that's fun. Okay. Just that, that was That was season five. Uh, the end of season five, season six. That that there was that's that's so yes. Yeah, so somebody else took over hell, and it's Crowley, okay. who you that's Mark Shepard, who who you would uh, of course know from Battlestar and 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 Doctor Who and right, uh, right, a right. bunch of other things because he's fabulous. So yes, that's what's that's what's going on. A uh, good question, good question. Um, now <laughs> let's let's talk uh, Key and Peel episode two. We really enjoyed the season premiere. What did you think of episode two? I have to say, besides laughing almost uncontrollably at the seemingly never-ending middle of episode sketch about uh, football players with funny names, the uh, this one was just kind of a, a more of a smile or a light chuckle episode as compared to the premiere, uh, which even then was kind of smile and light chuckle heavy. I'm, I'm still waiting for the for the home run episode this season, uh, but you know, I, I feel like that's sort of inevitably going to happen. We did get Luther, the uh, Obama's anger translator, back. We got that sketch back again this week. Uh, I was a little uh, underwhelmed, I guess, by this episode. I, of course, I liked the the premiere a lot more than you did, or at least I laughed more than you did. I didn't laugh particularly at the the, the strange football player names sketch because I, I I feel like that's again that's one I've been going really that's their name for uh, quite a long time. Maybe it would have been funnier if they had actually had some real names thrown in the mix and it was like spot the spot the made up name kind of a thing i don't know so yeah this one wasn't as successful for me um i was hoping we would might get like a debate sketch <laughs> especially given the given the timing of when this aired uh so so the um the the luther anger translator thing i don't know we'll see we'll see uh, if it continues to work or if it's start i hope it's not starting to get tired but uh but we still we, we'll see. We're we're fans of Keen Peel. I think they have a higher hit ratio than a lot of other similar shows. I do vote they get Max Greenfield in for Romney if they ever do have a debate sketch. Absolutely, absolutely. Or um, Enver Gokaj from uh, from Dollhouse. He would also be fabulous. Um, but of course, uh, 
Max Greenfield has more of a comedy background, so yes, that that would be fabulous. Or if nothing well, else, Romney's not very funny, so just have him uh, have him come back as Tug. That works. Yeah, that that could work. That could totally work. Um, let's move on to Thursday and the season premiere of Thirty Rock: The Beginning of the End. This was a rather meta episode with uh, Jack uh, plotting the the fall of NBC. What did you uh, What did you think? Well, uh, I mean, some of some of the you know the NBC plots lame new series is one of my preferred uh, Thirty Rock gags, just because you know we watch new pilots and they're often terrible. But mm-hmm. other than that, this was pretty weak sauce. I thought it, it yeah. kind of has departed my brain almost entirely, which sorry, podcast listeners, but it's just, it did left so little of an impression. Yeah. I, I, people have been praising this one and I don't, I don't see it. I, I really wasn't impressed at all, though. I will say <laughs> the homonym game was hilarious. Yes. That was great. That was <laughs> Especially great. Especially that tag at the end. Oh, pear as in look a piece of fruit oh my god <laughs> hilarious uh and so and that also the credit goes to uh those those two guys in in pulling that off making that really work but um yeah the rest of the you know 30 back just i it's fallen off for me in such a big way i'm not very interested in these characters as much as i enjoy the performers um so i guess i'm hoping it, it improves over the, this last season otherwise it's Gonna be hard for me to keep tuning in, honestly, because there are so many other shows that I watch at that time. As soon as Vampire Diaries come back, comes back, it'll be Thirty Rock and Last Resort and Vampire Diaries all in the same time slot. And my DVR can only do so much. So I don't know. We'll see. Let, let's talk though about uh, Parks and Rec. How a bill becomes a law. I also was a little bit underwhelmed with Parks and Rec. I feel like I I, I kind of feel like this happened last season too, where. It was like good premiere and then kind of kind of a slog for a bit, and then it got really good later when the sort of election plotline kicked in. And I feel like I'm still waiting. I feel like Parks does better when it's got a little bit of narrative thrust, which we don't have so much right now. I mean, we did get John Glazer as a as you know um, as Amy Poehler's sort of you know dickish new peer, but uh, beyond that, you know, I, I feel like when there's no when there's no direction lately, I, I feel like they sort of lean on their characters to be a little bit more sticky and cartoonish, which I'm not really a huge fan of. Is it just me? Well, uh, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't a, a huge fan of this one. It was not my favorite comedy of the week. I think I probably even liked New Girl better, so it's probably like my third favorite comedy of the week. But I do think that there's some good stuff. Yeah, I, I always like the pairing of April and Ben, so I think that little thing was 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 nice uh, and the the half perm for Amy Poehler was 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 pretty great it's just the way that it was completely unreferenced for the entirety of its appearance on the show i do think that lucy lawless as a love interest for for uh, ron is incredibly promising so i look forward to that and just seeing ron all princessed up was pretty amazing so yeah that that was cool yeah, I'm less less sold on the Leslie stuff this week, and uh, I, I think I enjoyed the soda bill more than the swimming bill, but uh, but we'll, I think there might be some seeds here for for better stuff down the road. Yeah, we'll see. It was it was nice to see Tom be useful for once, I guess, but that was about mm-hmm. it for me. I don't know. Come on, Parks. I know you got you can do loads better than this. Well, let's continue our Thursday uh, night comedy, just murderer's row of eh. With uh, Children's Hospital, a kid walks into a hospital. Oh, I like Children's Hospital. Come on. 
Um, yeah, this this was one of those t- that we we always talk about the children the the great children's hospital NTSF wars of 2012, and uh, usually NTS has been winning. But I, I really liked this episode of Children's Hospital. I mean, we got Henry Winkler in a fight scene, and you're ang it. Come on, are you so jaded? Yeah. Okay, Henry Winkler in his fight scene that was great, but everything else about the episode pretty much left me cold. Oh come on, the skeleton costume. No, that didn't do it for you. Okay, no, that was good. But I, <laughs> but in my mind, I associate that with the Henry Winkler fight scene because it's okay. like in the background. Yeah, fair so enough. that for me, it's all of a piece. Um, the, yeah, like the button pushing wasn't that funny to me. The uh, the the hot sister wasn't that funny. Oh well, you can't win them all. Um, over on the TSF, we had another. Oh, we it was weird because they both had rollicking fight scenes, and now they're kind of mm-hmm. they're kind of jumbled in my brain. But uh, we got Rob Hubel doubled double teaming these shows which was kind of which was kind of cool um yeah this this one was was okay uh you know we've seen ntsf do lots better uh, again i appreciate the rollicking fight scene this time with swords uh i was mm-hmm. confused by the abrupt ending i'm not sure why i was confused by the abrupt ending but i was well i thought i thought it was fine the um the the kill bill thing I th- it's nice when they actually let Piper be kind of competent now and again, yes. so it was nice to see her in a fight scene and with the swords and everything. Um, but yeah, once again, I you know it kind of just made me want to watch Kill Bill, which is funnier than than this was. So that's that's unfortunate. Although it's worth mentioning, they've both been picked up for another season, which I think will make us happy. Excellent, that's great. So hope, I'm hoping for you know next week a little stronger episode yes. from for both of them. I would also agree that Children's was the better of the two this week. Um, let's talk though about uh, Last Resort, Blue on Blue, which is the second episode of the season, and uh, the one you know when people, the critics who got sent multiple episodes uh, for Last Resort, pretty much all seemed to say that the pilot was really strong, but the second episode was was pretty weak. Uh, what did you think? Did you think that uh, that you know this was a step down, or are you more positive towards its outlook? It was maybe a slight step down, but it still had lots of goodness, and I feel like I was primed for disappointment, which maybe helped. Um, it was funny. I watched this with my dad because I was at my parents' house, and he uh, is ex Navy. And the, the 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 coolest part of the episode was at some point he 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 rather crankily noted they wouldn't have a woman on that sub. And uh, then I had to, of course, uh, look it up and of prove him wrong, <laughs> and uh, note that they've had women on subs since 2010. So suck it, Dad. Anyway. Well, that also um, maybe explains the uh, the thing in the pilot with Scott Speedman's character asking about uh, inappropriate behavior, if it is such a, a new addition, you know. Right, yeah. Um, but anyway, the there were definitely some hokey moments, uh, some strange bits of some bits of dialogue that could have been left on the cutting room floor i didn't really care for that last shot of them all solemnly looking at the american flag if they never do that again i'll be perfectly happy but uh hey we got russians and intrigue and lots of little twists and and stakes and excitement i don't know i uh i I think i thought it was still pretty good yeah, when they first uh, said, "Oh, it's the Russians," I thought that was quite a cop out to to not have put our characters in the position of deciding whether they're going to shoot on fellow American troops. But but they won me over by the by the end of the episode, uh, and, and I actually just ended up deciding that I thought that was a good move, and that they will, I'm sure, leave the potential American on American violence for for later in the show. And uh, the the other. The only weak part, really, for me was the stuff with Jesse Schramm. I thought that uh, her storyline started out uh, just fine, but 
by the the melodramatic phone call we got, uh, I was a little, uh, I was a little, uh, you know, hopeful that it would end soon. <laughs> so I, I, I know, we'll, see, we'll see. Hopefully, they'll get give her better stuff to work with. Um, I, I think she can be actually a really solid actress. <clears throat> so I'm hoping this is just kind of a fluke. But uh, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't get all the the negative buzz about this this one. I I thought it was fine. Yeah, isn't not not as good as the pilot, but I mean that was a really good pilot. It was a very good pilot, and hey, if this is the worst it gets, it's gonna get real good. And people are kind of watching it, so that's exciting. Yay, kind of watching, absolutely. We were we were expecting what one one or two and canceled. So yeah. this yeah. week we're gonna get at least three. Go yes. team, three. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to Friday. I'm going to quickly say Grim, you know, Over My Dead Body was the episode this week. We didn't talk about it last week just because the it was such a full week in TV. Um, but uh, I thought it was a solid episode this week, solid episode last week. Uh, Grim continues to be a reliable Friday night show for me. Uh, I do think that they're using the cast well, and I think they've done some good stuff with Nick and Juliet with their central relationship and dealing with Juliet's uh, memory loss. It looks like they're about to throw in the twist of, uh, of course, she was in a she was in a magically induced coma that you know all the while. It, you know, the spell that she was, that was affecting her was erasing her memory and the way to wake her up was with the kiss of a prince. And so the, the captain character wakes her with a kiss when nobody's around and nobody, you know, can know that it's him. And so apparently it looks like we're gonna, um, we're gonna start seeing some, uh, lingering effects of that. I think, you know, the notion that it has to be true love's kiss or something, or I don't know, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm kind of leery about that, but They've done well with that storyline, you know, with all the other aspects of it this season. So I'm hopeful that that will improve. And I'm also liking that what they're doing with Hank. And uh, hopefully that'll continue to improve. And it was, it's something that um, we I, there was some talk about on Twitter this week uh, that I was very much appreciating. This, this notion of uh, there's a deep, dark secret that none of the uh, side characters can know about it. The, the show always gets better when the side characters find out. So on, on Alias, when Will found out that Sid was a spy, the show got better. On, uh, on, on Chuck, when his family found out he was a spy, the show got better. Instead of trying to maintain this illusion of double life and can't tell anybody. I don't know. Do you, do you agree with me on that? I think shows should stop. You know, they should get to that part of the story a lot quicker. I think that's absolutely true. If only because... It's just irritating to watch characters have to keep a secret and then entire episodes can be oriented around, oh, I have to run around making sure nobody knows about it. And especially if something the audience knows about, it, it's just boring. Well, and to it makes watch. it makes the other characters look stupid. <laughs> that too. It's just it's not good. Anyway, so yes, that Grimm has definitely improved by by embracing that and I I'm hopeful that it will uh let Juliet in on things soon because it's the same problem with her. They just need, you know, they've shown the character is awesome enough to handle it and still be still be stick around and st and be a badass and help out too even um so i wish they would just get to that point with the show but i imagine that's going to be coming a little later in the season so we'll see but let's move on uh, and talk about fringe in absentia uh which is of course the second episode of the season for them i was a little underwhelmed when i watched it but i found of course i have a review up at sun on site i found the further i got away from it um i wasn't able to write the review until uh, a day or two later i found the further i got away from this episode the more i appreciated it it actually and the more i respected it's the the decisions that the you know writers and the showrunners made in the direction we appear to be going what did you think uh, 
It was all right. I mean, the I kind of figured they were going to do something with Henrietta where because she's grown up in a harsher world, she's sort of a little bit more used to being more cavalier about human life. But then they kind of walked back from that at the end. So I guess that's not really going to be a problem anymore. Um, I, I mean, my major takeaway from the episode is sort of unfortunate because a lot of it was actually quite good. But I really, really did not like that episode ending beat of we must find the videotapes. And, you know, they're in various places and we're going to have to go hunting for them. And I'm already bored of hearing about it. Yeah, I really, really was not a fan of it <laughs> when they, uh, you know, revealed the scavenger hunt element to it. And I couldn't put my finger on exactly why until I was actually writing my review and realized it's because they're going to just be handed the answers. And I'm sure, but I have a feeling they're going to end up, you know, deciding that original Walter's plan was, like, was, was, wasn't was the right way to go because it's going to end up with, like, a third of the population getting killed or something. I don't know. Terrible. And so they're going to go a different <laughs> way because, you know, that's that's Walter with all of his brain who's, like, you know, Machiavellian and more dangerous. Um, but but it's still just the notion of that not it's, – it's that they have to work to find the answers, but they don't have to figure out the answer. They just have to find where the answer is hidden, and then they will be told the answer. And that's that really is not interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just the, the way the music welled up, like, we have a quest. Like, really? <laughs> really, Fringe? You're going you're gonna to do it like this? You've only got 11 episodes left, and this is what you want to do? All right, sure. Yeah, I did feel like the Monty Python, the da 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 like, Yeah, exactly. Like, really <laughs> kicked in right at the end there. Uh, but what I will say, though, is, is, you know, upon reflection, this is an episode where they... Every I feel like every decision that they make about the characterization and about uh, the relationship, particularly what we see with Olivia and with Etta, um, is is the right one. And it, it is the, they go for character and thought over over sort of a, a manufactured emotion in a way that no other show would. Any other show, I feel like, would be uh, would be like, oh no, you can't possibly torture people; it's wrong. And instead, you know, we have the character, uh, you know, Olivia, and the other characters have enough respect and consideration for the fact that this isn't their world, and they don't know, you know, they're they're guests here, essentially. Uh, right. Yeah. So they don't, and they, it doesn't have them judge. Henrietta for for deciding to torture this guy and to to um to t- and I also thought the way that they did that of basically taking years off of the, like aging the person I thought that was appropriately sci-fi and cool but I, it was very much it's something that they actually said in the episode with um Henrietta when she goes on the mission she thanks Olivia for respecting her decision to to be the one who goes on the mission instead of demanding that she go um that Olivia go um yeah I feel like that's exactly the approach that the writers are taking in this episode with Olivia. And it's a very, it's a much more subtle approach. Even just the way that Olivia figures out that the guy is there alone, that he was there for the, you know, to feed the birds. I feel like any other show would have like zoomed in, like would have flashed back to the breadcrumbs when you saw the birds and gone, aha, that's why he was here. And instead she just, you know, pieces it together in the background of a scene and then mentions it when it's next applicable. And I just, again, this is the thing that Fringe does that other shows don't do. And it's what makes Fringe the show that it is and this, you know, the best sci-fi show we have going right now. I guess maybe you could argue Alphas, but uh, 
I mean, there's there's no you know there's no other show like Fringe right now, especially for character, and especially for genre character. So I really appreciate that. Right. Although speaking of characters, I find it kind of sad that even though we've gotten rid of Broyles and Seth Gable and a bunch of other characters. Astrid's still got nothing to do. Yeah, they really need to give her something. I mean, not like they ever really have, barring those, like, two Astrid episodes of the course of the series. there's only, like, four characters left. I know. It's, oh, (laughs) God, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. But that's definitely, uh, that was one of the things I noted in my review, too. Let's, let's, Jessica Nicole has proven that she's very good. Let's give her something to do, please. Yeah, other than play Scrabble or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> the Scrabble's fun. But yes, no, you're absolutely right. Let's, let's talk. Let's move to Sunday, though. There was no The Thick of It this week. I was bummed out by that. Sad. Next week it'll be back. Um, but let's move to Sunday and The Amazing Race. <laughs> Long hair, don't care. What did you think of this one? This had to be the most depressing episode of The Amazing Race ever. <laughs> I mean, everyone's favorite team eliminated almost mm-hmm. right away over some, over just the dumbest thing possible. Taxis! Everyone's least, everyone's least favorite team, who are just horrible and almost unwatchable, just barely scrapes by as a result. Uh, most of the other teams, so far, not leaving much of an impression. I think partially just because there's still too many of them. But um, it's funny, because when the, when the show premiered, I thought, oh, this is a bunch of interesting teams, and now a lot of them just don't seem that interesting to me. Yeah, the um the, the substitute teachers, they they need to go. They Holy need to... crap. This is what happens when longtime fans of the Amazing Race get to be on the Amazing Race and then they're way too serious about it. No, no, they, like there have been other people who are are long-term fans of the show who have come uh come on the show and been just fine. It's just these people. They they do not come across well. They come across as utterly obnoxious, uh, or not obnoxious, just annoying. And I'm ready for them to be gone, especially when yeah. when you contrast that with Amy Purdy and uh, I don't even remember who the guy that she was doing it with, but Daniel maybe. Uh, yeah, who are just so awesome, <laughs> and then just get screwed over by a cab. I mean, ugh. Yeah, that's just not right. I mean, that's part of reality television, I guess, if they're doing it correctly is that you know you can't account for what happens and sometimes it just doesn't go your way or the audience's way but still i mean this was just kind of and also i didn't find most of the challenges all that interesting this week yeah the um the 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 racing the bull racing where they just sat on the back of a motorcycle and were driven i mean why is that how is that a challenge yeah that was i I was i was confused about that because the first time it happened and they didn't even outrun the bull i was like oh they just get to keep going (laughs) yeah (laughs) or or but I was like, did, did they not have to do something there? Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, the ice or fish thing was just, it, again, it, it kind of felt like it was, they they couldn't come up with anything better for that town. And it was like, oh, well, we still have our sea options. Well, the, uh, I, do, I do think that the, the fish thing was, it did uh, make the twins a lot more fun. And I, I was not a fan of them after the first week, but I thought they were good here. So uh, I don't know, because I know you put all your points on the twins to lose. And, Not all of them, but some oh, of them. Sorry, some I, of them. I, I, didn't, yes. I didn't go full clown on them, but <laughs> um, I, I do feel like they're they're the sort of team. I, I read this somewhere else; it's absolutely true. The sort of team where when they're winning, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, and when they're losing, they're going to be almost unbearable to watch. That's that's exactly it. I hadn't pieced it yet, but that's exactly it. Um, let's see. There a lot of people I've heard complaining that there aren't like they don't like any of the teams. Or they they think it's a bad batch of contestants. I feel like people say that every single season. I don't know what their 
expecting or waiting for, but it took a while for us to to really get to know the people last season. And I, I think we liked Mark and Bopper pretty early, but I was I wasn't sold on them till at least the third or fourth week. So I think people need to give these these uh, group of of uh, contestants more of a chance. Yeah, I I am really hoping actually that the truckers go next week because I was really annoyed with them being like. First of all, being excited that they'd found a way to be first, and then when they, when they realized they were last, they were like, oh, we like being last. No, you don't. <laughs> you dick. Uh, anyway. Yeah, oh, and I'm also hoping the Metalheads come sixth again next week, because then it's going to be triple six, which would be pretty badass. <laughs> Good times. Of course, there's still time to sign up for our Fabulous Amazing Race pool. You are still in the lead. Yes, obviously. I am third. Uh but uh, but I, we'll see. Hopefully, some we can change things up a little bit. I've got all of two points right now because uh, I don't think anybody picked Amy to get eliminated. So no, uh, nobody did. Nobody was that evil. <laughs> but we'll we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Let's move on though to Call the Midwife, which had its second episode this Sunday and uh, introduced Chummy. Chummy. I had heard much talk of Chummy, and uh, <laughs> she did not disappoint. Chummy's great. Chummy is awesome, and I like how this week. They didn't even pretend that Chummy wasn't the most interesting thing happening. It was like, oh, Jenny's still narrating. Oh, whatever. She can go off there. We got Chummy. <laughs> and we we pretty much spent the entire episode with Chummy. And uh, she was great. Do we have the actress's name handy? I feel weird just calling her Chummy. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I unfortunately do not know the actress's name off the top of my head. Oh, well. Chummy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this, this was really good. Uh, thankfully, not as um, just constantly heartbreaking as the first episode was a little bit more lighthearted i got a little choked up a couple times not gonna lie it was an emotional uh one for me not as you know much as as the premiere but uh well the the, yeah. the breach birth was pretty rough yeah absolutely oh um, man but, and, but and the whole that... prostitute situation also uh yeah. that, that that's a that's a difficult one but uh... but but you know the show's got 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 like, I can already think of, like, ten worse things they can do. Like, they can get really, really nasty with us if they feel like it. Yeah. Um, we, we we have a few more men kicking around the show now a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, thankfully this is still very much a show about women and the world of women, which uh, is such a great thing to have. And I'm not just saying that in a, in a patronizing male sort of way. <laughs> uh, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 still really digging it. It's uh, the production values are fantastic. I really like the music this week too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I was uh, after the the premiere. I as much as it's a good show, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to watching it week to week. Um, just because yes, it's very well done um, and it's affecting. It's emotionally affecting, but it's also you know it wasn't a fun show. So I think that element of Chummy is going to make me more excited to watch the show each week as opposed to factor. watching it just because i know it's good so right that, yeah that should hopefully help I, i'm not sure how it's doing at pbs fingers crossed it's doing well um but yeah, uh well, I'm, I'm sure it's not doing downton abbey numbers but yeah. downton abbey but what does do downton abbey numbers uh let's move on to the next show which is the good wife and the law one which is of course a continuation last week the episode title i fought the law um, so what did you think of uh, this episode? We got a lot of Kalinda and her husband. We got uh, a, a lot of Nathan Lane and uh, the introduction of Maura Tierney. I, I, this was a good, like, interstitial episode of The Good Wife in the sense of there's still a lot. Like, there there were very few conclusions to draw from this episode. It's just we sort of get a little bit of time with everyone and it's all kind of ambiguous and sort of in a strange place. Especially, I mean, with the Maura Tierney stuff, we have no idea where that's going 
the stuff with Peter, we have no idea where that's going. The stuff with Nathan Lane, we have no idea where that's going. The stuff with Kalinda, we have no idea where that's going, and we're a little bit grossed out. <laughs> yes. I can't believe they got away with that ice cream cone thing. Yeah. Yeah, the censors, <laughs> the censors often see what they want to see. <laughs> and so that's I just how... don't think they watched this one. They could have just they could have thrown dead babies in this one and just gotten away with it because they were just clearly having a day off. Well, th that's how a show like Buffy gets uh, yelled at every single year by parents groups. And then something like this is on CBS, like the, the most restrained of the networks theoretically, uh, with no trouble at all. So, yeah, I, I've i stopped trying to wonder how things <laughs> end up on our televisions uh, over here. Uh, the, the I think the uh, the stuff with Kalinda and her husband, or ex-husband, last week she was calling him her ex-husband, this week she was calling him her husband. I don't know what we're supposed to call her. I'll just say that British guy. Um, <laughs> was uh, I thought it was, it was good this week. I, I appreciated it, and I like, I'm actually interested to see where we're going now. I was like as you, people may recall, I was nervous about it last week. I, I thought that the little legal wrinkle of the jurors being able to ask questions it's was awesome, very interesting. And we were talking a bit while I was watching it, and you were saying, "Oh, what Law and Order would have done to be able to to use this?" <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, we we had James Urbaniak as a judge for the first mm -hmm. time, and he was great. I love yeah. that dude. Well, and we also had uh, the return of Ed Ed Edward Herman as, you know, one of the attorneys. They've, they continue to do such a great job with their guest casting. And speaking of that, I'm so excited to have more Tierney on this show. And I like that, at least for right now, it appears she's there as a, uh, as a friend character. Because, you know, Alicia needs some friends, too. Uh, yeah, it since Kalinda's off doing weird, creepy sex things with her husband or ex-husband, whatever, in public. You know, she's going to need someone to talk to. Yeah. So, and, and I think the, uh, the little scene we get in the campaign bus with, uh, Eli and, uh, and Peter and Alicia is also, was, was nice. So more stuff like that, uh, which is what I assume we're going to be getting with Maura Tierney is good as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah everything, every, there was nothing bad this week really. So yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't laugh as much as I did last week, which is something, but it was, it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. Basically it was last week, but without the muck of lucka to help yes. it out, to put it over the edge. Um, let's talk, uh, I'm going to talk briefly about Treme, me donkey want water. Uh, this was, uh, this was another solid episode. I think I liked the premiere a little bit better, but, um, but obviously Treme doesn't, I don't think Treme knows how to do a bad show. Cause when you have actors who are this good, um, and musicians who are this good, uh, that, that takes care of most of your work for you, I think, on a show as character-centric as Treme. There, I, I did think the intercutting we get in the scene that features uh, Jeanette talking to her money guy, basically, and Andy talking to her money guy, oh, that was a little on the nose. That was a little... Um, inelegantly handled as far as I'm concerned. But other than that, I, I thought that the episode was, was, was solid. And uh, I look forward to seeing what, you know, the, the baby steps we get with, with Tony and, uh, and her case, as well as, uh, maybe the show hinting at getting, uh, Tony, uh, getting Melissa Leo and David Morse's characters, uh, together as they hinted at before the, the daughter is all for that, by the way, which is, was nice to is. see. Cause she's cool. Uh, so so yeah, I, I'm enjoying this 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 season, and 
yeah, the, the they they brought everybody together, you know, or at least they brought several of the characters together for the first time this week. We had um we had we had Antoine and Delmond and Sunny all jamming together at a gig for the first time. That was cool, and then also some, some having uh, Delmond and uh, and uh, Ladonna. Yeah, you know, it looks like the Indians will be hanging out at Ladonna's now. So you know, I think they're doing a good job of actually bringing some of these dis- disparate storylines in together, but in a believable way. Doesn't feel too forced, so yeah, I'm enjoying it. Huzzah! Uh, next, I'm gonna t- talk a little bit about the voice, which I know you you are not gonna have time for, but uh, they they started the battle rounds, and I think they've done such a smart thing in incorporating the steel. Do you know what this is? Yeah, uh, no. So, of course, the battle rounds in the past two seasons have really been where the show lags. People love the chairs, spinny, you know, audition rounds, and they tend to like the live shows. But the the battle rounds were, the show kind of felt a little stuck in them. I like the battle rounds just because I like hearing the duets. I think when that works, it's really great. And there isn't another show that does that as far as reality uh, competition shows. What they incorporated this time is that if, uh, after the judge chooses between their two singers who they want, uh, the the person who is eliminated, the other three judges had the opportunity to steal and put them on their team. And so that when you get, a, you know, people, uh, there was this, at least one really great performance on, on the show last, last night. When you get this really great performance like that, that the other person who's eliminated, when both people are fabulous, you still have to pick one. The other person who is, who is eliminated now has a chance to still be on the show, which I think is, you know, is, is good because there are, there have been several times where two of the best singers on the team go up head to head, and then people who are not nearly as good as as the one who lost that battle make it all the way to the live shows, and that's you know it's a little frustrating. So I think that also does you know, keeps the audience more involved. It keeps the uh, the spontaneity more involved, and uh, I think it was a really smart move. And I'm sure it's one that they're they're going to stick with for quite a while. So I'm enjoying the battle rounds. I'm enjoying the voice. It looks like we're going to have about a month of battle rounds. So uh, then we'll be on to the next the knockout. I think they call it. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But um, but yeah, it's 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 been fun. So let's talk about alphas if memory serves. Cat, more cat. We got a lot more cat, and it was and and it was good. Um, that was easily the highlight of the episode for me. I mean. They paired up Cat with Hicks, which was kind of like not an ideal situation for me. I mean, it was, I mean, I know he's grieving, but I'm sorry, he's boring when he's <laughs> grieving, and he's boring when he's not grieving, and we need to we need to work on that. But uh, I mean, I, I guess having Cat around made him seem more exciting, just because reflected glory and all that. Um, <laughs> the uh, I really liked the I guess you could call him the baddie of the week, the guy protecting Mitchell, played by Sean Astin, but he wasn't really. He was. Seemed like a nice guy, which made the whole thing a little bit disconcerting, which I, I, I like the way they handled that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, we got a good do- – I, I didn't think it was the greatest episode, but but I did like that we got a pretty solid dose of amb- of moral ambiguity, which I feel like Alphas does fairly well. Uh, I did feel like the way they've, they've changed Rosen into this, like, fiery vengeance demon over his daughter's death is a little bit pat – but I'm hoping they walk back from that a little bit. The fire and the glasses thing, too much, guys. <laughs> uh, the yeah, I think that uh, the stuff we got with Cat was was really good. I love the way they subverted the the memory of her mom. 
which yeah, maybe yeah. that still will be her mom who and her mom was just an actress or something but uh but I do think that was awesome i i I like that they are really pushing the uh shall we say fascist tendencies of of the alpha team or, or Rosen or you know the government however you want to put it uh, i I think that's way more interesting than making them just the goody goodies um, and, and if the other side wasn't I don't know, uh, trying to kill a significant chunk of the population, maybe I'd be on the other side. I think the yeah. what we get with Lauren Holly this week is good. I, I, and I do think the ability that they give Sean Astin is an interesting one, but I don't think it's executed particularly well. Um, it's way too convenient when he's cogent and when he's not. Um, and I also, I, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of Sean Astin. I don't think he was very, very good here. And, um, I don't, I, I it just seems like, is, is this a character who is like Gary, uh, in that he is not socially, uh, he, he has some sort of disorder based on his ability and doesn't necessarily know who in, he is or where he is or anything? Or is this a guy who can actively choose to channel various memories? Because, they gave us both, and those two things should conflict. Yeah, the, the, it was it was definitely confusing, and maybe deliberately so. I'm not sure. Uh, I I feel like Aston did a fairly good job in terms of you know portraying the character as written. I do feel like it's they weren't clear on what how these abilities were affecting his brain or precisely what the abilities were. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I didn't have the same issues with the performances as you did. The uh, why do they keep making Gary sad? I don't know why they feel the need to keep doing that. They, they're doing it too much. Because he's good at it? But yeah, no, I do hear you on that. <laughs> they just Come on, they already killed his girlfriend. They don't need to also possibly kill his mom. Yeah, I mean, just, Ryan Cartwright, I think, is good in that. And it's it's always nice when we get a little Gary in Bill time. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where they're going with that. I, I have a feeling maybe they're trying to push him towards uh Stanton Parish or something cuz we still have that lingering uh thing about Anna lives and that he's keeping up her legacy which they haven't right, come yeah. back to but I feel like they that like they might um so I don't know we'll we'll see yeah but I just could, I don't know it makes me sad when they make Gary sad yeah, so I, I feel you it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, next is Revolution, right? Yep, that's the final show of the week. So we get our our fourth episode uh, this week, Plague Dogs or the Plague Dogs, and we get some backstory on Maggie. And then, and then she dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I should have. I should have though. When they call the episode the Plague Dogs, which I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's easily the second most depressing animated film of all time, right After behind River the Fireflies. Of the Fireflies. Yeah, yeah. Who that ending? And yeah, we got this wasn't nearly that that depressing, but yeah, I didn't good for them. I guess they it's amazing how in only a few episodes it's already outpaced that other post-apocalypse show The Walking Dead in terms of killing characters. Mm-hmm. Cuz damn, that well, was cold. And and as far as I'm concerned, I know some I'm I'm really I've been surprised by the lack of critical support for Revolution. Um I feel like we're the only critics who actually like it. Um, but, uh, for me, they keep, as far as I can say, they keep making good decisions and this is one of them. You know, she just gets stabbed by a knife that isn't that long or anything, but it's in the wrong spot. In the leg. Yeah. And she dies. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's what happens. Did, did, did that strike you as like a classic? Because I haven't watched Supernatural, but did that did that strike you as a Kripke move or just or just no. something that some, just a good writer's room idea? Just a good, just you know, it, it, like it's important. Well, I think it was a way to keep the the unit together to keep Miles and Charlie, and it was good to give. Um, I think they gave Tracy Spiridakis a lot more to do, or I think I I should say maybe I guess that she rose to the occasion. I thought she was very good in this, as Charlie. Um, but but yeah, I think it's just really smart, because um, because there's just there's only you know there's only so so much you can have these characters do in a post apocalyptic world. Like when they start talking about he was going to stitch up her artery, that I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, was, I, I was I was I was about ready yeah, to break were, up with the show right there, and then it, yeah, of course yeah, yeah. it didn't work. I, I I totally there there are times when I can sense how you're watching something, and I, I just knew okay <laughs> if that works she's going to be really mad. Um, but, you um, can't stitch up an artery with a needle and thread. That's not how. Uh, anyways, so yes, yeah. It, yeah. We also learned an, a, an important lesson this week. When you have a chance to kill Giancarlo Esposito, you take it. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. You let you let the sink fall on him. Though of course he wasn't going to do it just because you can't have Giancarlo Esposito not on the show. He's he's too good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, you know we had a lot more of him this week. He was pretty much gone last week. So it was, you know I, I still am not a big fan of the brother character, but I think by proximity to Giancarlo Esposito, he's just gotten a lot better. So uh, I, I actually kind of dread when they have the brother without Giancarlo Esposito. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. What did you think of Elizabeth Mitchell this week? Uh, she, I mean, she's kind of had the same note to play over mm-hmm. the last few episodes. You know, defi- quietly defiant. So we'll see. I mean, I'm waiting to see where they're going with it. They're obviously going to need to explain why they thought she was dead, but she's not, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, those are ho- hopefully those are plot beats they'll get rid of sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, are you interested in these flashbacks, or are you kind of over that structure? Uh, no, I I think it's working fairly well because they're they're doing it in a way to underline points without being too underlining about it. Mm-hmm. In general, some of them are a bit clumsy, but I feel like they've been they've been good and not too aha, not too <laughs> not trying to be too clever in general. I don't know. I I feel like they like you said they've made a lot of smart choices. Yeah. We'll see what what happens. It, you know, it's it's the the new hit of the sh- of the season. So hopefully, uh, go figure. Oh, NBC hey. has a hit. Yeah, you know, I guess it's the power of the voice, eh? But uh, yeah, I, we're still enjoying it. Um, yes. So let's let's take a quick break, listen to some music, and uh, come back with our double spotlight on Bob's Burgers and Homeland. I was working in the lab late one night. When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It got on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match that was the Monster Mash, which, of course, at least thematically ties in with our episode of Bob's Burgers, Full Bars, this is the Halloween episode, and uh, we were going to have this in the spotlight, but we realized we didn't have necessarily have that much to say about it other than, I loved this episode. It was hilarious. Uh, wh- what did you think? Uh, yeah, this was, this was great. Uh, I mean, I, I think my there were two halves of the episode. One was good, and the other was great, and that was good enough. Um, the, the stuff with Bob and at the, at the party, 
trying to sort out the murder mystery of the of the of the guinea pig was was good, but the stuff with the kids over over on Goat's Head Island or whatever that was messing with rich kids it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Uh, I loved the costumes. I loved the uh, their their plot to mess with these boys, especially Tina's reactions were of course priceless. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it was just it was just a just a crap load of fun. Yeah, just the uh, I, I think they did such a great job of capturing Halloween. For kids, you know, capturing yeah. that, that feeling of, holy crap, this house is giving out Snickers, you know, like th- that every, I feel like every kid experiences, like every, every kid knows where the good houses are and where like the streets that you just might as well skip because they give out like apples or they give out unsalted, uncaramelized popcorn balls, you know, I, I feel like uh, that's just such a, a, a true thing about kids and Halloween. And I loved the way that it was expressed in this episode. Yeah. And yeah, the, the the way the 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 sort of quest aspect combined with the the evil teenagers, and I I love the way the show depicts evil teenagers as just kind of bored, regular regular teenagers <laughs> who are just kind of kind of kind of dorks, just you know trying to live their lives, but also who enjoy terrorizing children. That this that shared this in common with the the premiere, and I really love that aspect. Well, and even just the slow mo phone toss at the end. Oh yes, <laughs> was so. Great. I forgot about that. That was great. Yeah, yeah little things that no other show would think to do. Yeah, it's it's just such a great show. Hopefully, everybody is watching Bob's Burgers because uh, I think that's the show that's going to be for for a while at least my go to when people say, "Oh, what's a show I should be watching?" Because I feel like people yeah. aren't nearly talking about it enough, and it's just so reliable. And uh, yeah, and it requires no prior knowledge. And you can just no, jump in. Can- yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's like jumping into The Simpsons basically. It's just like whatever, and it's obviously way better than The Simpsons is right now. Duh. Well, I mean, I have it's been so long since I watched The Simpsons. I don't know if I could actually make an assessment, but I mean, <laughs> the taco sauce or the, no the uh, the hot sauce. You just yeah. what other show yeah. does that joke? It's 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 great, uh, and even just yeah. the Halloween costumes. I have a Queen Latifah for her UNITY phase. It's great. Well, and, and- the, the the best payoff for that was when of course they were in the suburbs and and someone just greeted him with ooh Africa that that was that was a laugh out loud moment for me so yeah uh, Lauren Bouchard and company good job because the show rules absolutely and now let's talk a little bit about Homeland Beirut is back which is of course the second episode of the season um, in in this episode of course they have Abu Nazir in their sights literally and I, I was sitting there and I was talking to you about it while I was watching it going uh, oh man. And either show, I would say there's no way they're going to kill Abu Nazir, their main, you know, you know, Osama bin Laden stand-in. And uh, this show, they actually could. And so I, I was kind of hoping that they would, um, but they didn't. And yet they managed to still explode the show in a completely different <laughs> yep. way. I'm loving yeah, this. Yeah, well, the, the thing with killing off Abu Nazir is it's actually not as big a deal as it seems. I mean, it's it's... It's a big deal to Brody, but the thing with terrorist organizations is they got number twos and number threes and all the way down to number twenty-seven, and you know he'll he's he could presumably be easily replaced. Uh, but uh, yeah, Saul finding out about Brody, which we assume is exactly what happened. I mean, you you could pull a technicality with the video isn't all that descriptive or something like that, but they're not going to do that because this show doesn't work like that. Yeah, so Saul knows about Brody, and. That's just that's something that any other show would have saved for like three seasons from now. <laughs> that's yeah. a ridiculous thing to get to right now. Well, and that's, that's exactly what they did last season, and that's one of the things we loved about 
about the show last season. Yeah, they're excellent at getting straight to the point and straight to the stuff that we would assume would be a show killer. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example. And I'm struggling to think of how there will be more season. Um, I mean, I guess they could. First of all, I thought maybe Saul could get captured, which would be awesome because I totally want to see Saul in captivity being a badass. But, you know, we will save that for another season because I don't really necessarily want to see it happen right now. The There is the lingering thing of we never found out who the mole was last season. Mm-hmm. And I've, maybe that comes into play finally this episode, this coming episode. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. How, how, how do they prevent the show from just being over now? Oh, there are they so many ideas? ways. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just because they have this video, first of all, uh, Carrie's the one who brought it in. And while I can't imagine how somebody would fake something like that, the fact that she's the one who, who brought it in is going to immediately discredit it somewhat. And then second of all, even if the video says, I'm a terrorist, hello, uh, like, you know, we figure it might, uh, that doesn't mean that they immediately arrest Brody and everything's done. That means they start surveillance up on him again and then and try to figure out what what start piecing everything together. That takes a while. Um, and, and so then I think there's so many avenues that they can go down. And as we, you know, as we can see with Carrie, she's clearly not in a good place. Uh, just, you know, f- physiologically, like biochemically, she's, uh, she's still pretty screwed up. Um, and so just because, you know, Saul, Saul can't tell her that he found this, that's going to be classified and she's not in the CIA anymore. And, and so that doesn't really affect her at all or solve any of her issues. And so, uh, I don't know. I think that, uh, there's a lot that they can do. Yeah. And if they didn't have a plan, they wouldn't have done it. No, no, obviously they're, they're not just making this up as they go along. I mean, they may have been making it up as they go along at some point, but they, Mm -hmm. then they figured out how to, where they were going with it. I, I trust them. I'm just, uh, that kind of blew me away. So, and that very, (laughs) very rarely happens. Uh, I mean, and we should talk about Claire a little bit because she gets to go a little bit nuts this week. Not, she doesn't get to crack an insane smile, but she does sort of, she kind of loses it a little bit. And, uh, damn, she's good at this. Yeah. (laughs) She's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems redundant to say so after she just won best actress, but, um, yeah, there were parts where she was so good that I actually just started laughing just because just out of nervousness. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to process you right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, she's she's really good in this episode. And well, first of all, it's so great to to get Claire Danes and Mandy Patinkin back in a scene together, let alone most yeah. of the episode. Um, but and then, there's no tearful. There's no tearful reunion. There's they're just straight back to, you're nuts, and I have to deal with you now. <laughs> well, and, and I think that she's even better this week than she was at the end of last season. Last season, I felt like I could see a little bit of the edges of her performance. I could see where she was making her decisions. Um, a little bit, it felt a little, perhaps a little mannered, as great as a performance as, as that was towards the end of last season. But this week, I, I didn't, I didn't see those edges, and I thought, uh, I thought she was great. So I really look forward to to what comes next. And then I also want to mention on the on the home front, while yes, there are all sorts of believability issues with what goes down with Brody. I think the the brief scene we get with Marina Baccarin. Um, with the mom and the you know and and the daughter, I think is is a good one, and it's nice to see such a realistic progression from the wife, you know, from her immediate reaction to the Quran to her starting to process. Um, yeah, 
And I think it's good that they, that the, the mom and the daughter can now talk about more, a little more honestly about Brody. Um, so I think that'll give us more potential as well. Yeah. And I, I, I think it helps that I'm sort of starting to like Dana as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know about this whole thing with the vice president's son, although I'm sure that's going to tie into the main plot in some major way in about four or five episodes. But, um, I, I just, just the, I, I loved, I loved when they were driving up to the, to the like palatial estate of the vice president. She's like, ah, oh, what a dump. That, was, <laughs> that, that, that was an endearing little moment. I was glad they found time for that. Yeah. Um, and hey, we got a pretty badass foot chase. Yeah. Uh, in late in the episode, which any any foot chase that makes you sincerely believe that you, that your main character is in danger when logically and intellectually you know they're not mm. is a good one. Um, I wasn't worried for her. I was worried for the only other actual agent. Who, when, as soon as he comes out and opens the door for, her, I was like, he's getting shot. He's getting shot. It's going to happen. But they didn't, <laughs> and I'm so glad they didn't. Yeah. That's you know that's that's. That's an easy choice. Yeah, my yeah. my favorite bit my favorite bit of editing shooting in that scene is uh, when when the other agent does show up to save her ass. You don't know it's him. You just see his gun. Yeah. In like just taking up almost the whole screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh shit. <laughs> and yeah, that was that was a very nice touch. Yeah, yeah. So Homeland, it's back and it is swinging. So we are. Uh, yeah, we had some good we had some good TV this week, and uh, hopefully a little bit we'll get even more next week. I, I look forward to to seeing. Hopefully they keep up this pace with Homeland because yeah. oh, it's just great. And hey, w- one more thing about the this plot twist that's great. There's absolutely no way he's going to be vice president now. Oh yes, right. So, There's yeah. no way they can do that now. No, they can't. They cannot make him vice president uh, after there's. Uh, assuming Saul tells anyone, which I feel like he, he would have how to. How could he not? Yeah. Yes. There's no way. No, and that's good because that yes. that was becoming really annoying. Oh, also the, uh, the 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 army buddies thing I think is interesting. It makes sense, and it's nice to have somebody bring up the whole. Seriously, he missed that hugely. When he was, when Walker was trying, he never missed anything. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's a good point, and it was like a little bit of a, you know believability issue last season. So yeah. I'm glad that they that that was intentional. It was good. It was. All, I almost chuckled also when Mike turned up. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he's also a character on the show. Uh, they're not going to just forget <laughs> he existed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, another another good week in TV, and uh, hopefully things will be a little less full next week. Uh, we'll we'll see what, what now that the premieres should be pretty much all done. But uh, but yeah, another another few new shows this this coming week, and then we're back to our regular. Regular scheduled programming, I suppose. So let's uh, go through a few show notes here before we go to our DVD shelf with Amanda Williams um, from Sound on Sight talking about House. First of all, you can find us upstreaming at soundonsight.org. There'll be a post there for this uh, episode, and you can leave a comment, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, what should our question be? Ask you a little early this time. Our question, our question, our question. Um... Halloween episodes? Favorite Halloween episodes for Bob's or Halloween costumes or something? Yeah, yeah, no, Halloween episodes is good, although if your answer isn't uh, the episode of Always Sunny from two seasons ago, then you are incorrect. Oh, I have so many answers, and none of them are the Halloween episode from from uh, Always Sunny, though it was very good, and Always Sunny is coming back soon, so that should On be Thursday, yeah, fabulous, yes. Um, so yeah, Halloween episodes, what are your favorite Halloween episodes? Uh and, and uh, for and what what shows do Halloween well? How about that? Uh, and so 
please leave us a comment there with that. Let us know what you think. Um, also, we're up in iTunes with the M4A chaptered feed as well as an MP3 unchaptered feed. We would love if, if, if we could get some ratings or reviews there. It helps the show get a little more recognized. It helps other people find us a little easier because, you know, TV podcast is such a small niche. There's only, you know, there's only so many people who watch TV the way we watch TV and the way that you are fabulous listeners, we assume, watch TV. So we're looking to get the word out and that's a good way to do it. Um, also, of course, we're both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. You are? I'm at Sucker Howell. And you can always email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. So we're going to take a little break, listen to a clip and some music, and come back with Amanda Williams' Talking House. 29-year-old female, first seizure one month ago, lost the ability to speak, babbled like a baby, aggressive deterioration of mental status. The 29-year-old female... The one who can't talk, I like that part. She's my cousin. And her cousin doesn't like the diagnosis. I wouldn't either brain tumor. She's going to die. Boring. What are you such a renowned diagnostician? You don't need to actually know anything to figure out what's wrong. You're the oncologist. I'm just a lowly infectious disease guy. <laughs> yes, just a simple country doctor. Brain tumors at her age are highly unlikely. She's 29. Whatever she's got is highly unlikely. The protein markers for the three most prevalent brain cancers came up negative. It's an HMO lab. Might as well have sent it to a high school kid with a chemistry set. <laughs> This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week at the DVD shelf, we are talking House, which has just apparently come out with its final season on DVD at the start of the month, so we figured it was a good time. And here to help us talk about House is Sound Outside's very own Amanda Williams. So, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So, why did you uh, want to talk about House? What is it that makes it your choice? Um, currently running on CBS right now is Elementary, which is another series based on Sherlock Holmes, and uh, it's created a lot of buzz, as has the British counterpart Sherlock, which came out in 2010, and those are very strongly based on Sherlock Holmes, the Conan Doyle works, and um, I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware, but House is also based very strongly on Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm actually kind of, uh, I was kind of embarrassed when I figured out. Sherlock Holmes, Gregory House, they're both yes. domiciles. I felt like such a you know, Wilson, Watson, you know. I, when, yes. when somebody first pointed that out to me, I was like, oh, of course. And then he has the drug addiction, and it's, of course, it's Sherlock Holmes. Right. There are a lot of similarities between House and Sherlock Holmes, and also between House and the original um, character, which was a person named Joseph Bell. He was a doctor that Conan Doyle worked with. And Conan Doyle himself was a doctor, so he put himself in the story as Watson. And so with this adaption, you have House and Wilson, and it really does have a lot more similar things uh, in it that a lot of adaptions of Sherlock Holmes don't have. And um, it's obviously, like Sherlock, it's based in um, modern times. It ran for eight seasons, which just ended in May, and uh, that's why we're talking about it this week is because the DVD collection for the entire series was just released on October 2nd, and that's now available, as are all of the in individual seasons. So um, 
Uh, it's it's a great show. It's for, you know for people who are fans of Sherlock Holmes and people who aren't aware that it does have that you know from that similarity. This, um, House operates the same way that Sherlock Holmes does. Is that he's he's very um, indifferent to his his clients or in, in this case his patients. And uh, w- that's one of the most interesting things about the show is that he's just he's such an abrasive character and. and it, you feel compassionate for him because he does have his own problems, and yet he's he he's this unlikable character that you get to you get to dislike for a lot of the show, but you eventually start to sympathize with him, and he he's become such an iconic character in his own right, and he's based on such another on another iconic character. Seemed like a good show to to talk about then. Yeah, it right. I, yeah, exactly. I, I I'm a big fan of House, or at least I I enjoyed it during much of its tenure. I do have to confess, I got away from the show a little bit towards the end of its run. I got distracted by new shinier things, but uh, but uh, yeah, it was a really solid show. You know, it, it's it's one of those shows that uh, much like for me, Law and Order, when it randomly comes on on you know TNT or USA or whatever show has the reruns of it, most of the time it's gonna be a reliable episode and. And most of the time, you're going to engage with the characters. There's, you know, in any show that runs eight seasons, there's going to be high points and low points. But I think, on the whole, House is one of the better procedurals that we've gotten, particularly medical procedurals. There, I think there actually aren't that many medical procedurals that aren't, that are, that are really procedurals that aren't really soaps. And I right. think as soon as people start having uh, an issue with the notion of an American Sherlock Holmes, you have to just turn to them and say, uh, what do you think Hugh Laurie was doing on House for right. eight seasons? I mean, clearly it can be done and done well. So I, I think it's a great pick. Uh, Simon, what do, you, what do you think about House? What was your relationship with the show? Uh, it's very similar to yours. I probably saw almost the entirety of the first few seasons, and then eventually I it got away from me, and I only saw sort of you know, episodes here and there. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I th- as much as the show is more faithful to Sherlock Holmes than some other contemporary Sherlock adaptations, I think if it depends on how mean you want to be about it, but um, <laughs> I think that the show demonstrates why Sherlock and Watson didn't have a staff of people supporting mm-hmm. them in the original stories. Because there's just no way they're going to be as interesting. And which is not to say that uh, all of the supporting players on the show are worthless, which they really aren't. But I think the show from the beginning always struggled with how to maintain our interest in House's support staff, especially as it went on and it sort of tried to play, it had to play a sort of relationship Yahtzee with some of them. Oh, I think that's way too harsh. I think that they do a good job, for the most part in this series, of uh, balancing out their their characters and rounding out the cast. And I actually think it's one of the best things they do in in veering away from Sherlock Holmes with this series, one of the best things that David Shore did, the creator. Because when you have 22 episodes a season, two characters, you know, two central characters are not going to be enough to keep things interesting. You need to be able to have more interpersonal dynamics to play with, even just for getting comedy and just to keep it from getting tired. And I think there are, you know, certain characters are more successful than others and uh, certain interpersonal dynamics are more successful than others. And I'm sure we'll get into that, particularly with Cuddy. Um, But I I think this is actually one of the shows that does a better job of distinguishing out its, uh, its supporting cast. And while it may have taken, you know, there are some off 
episodes or for some people even maybe seasons when, you know when they were transitioning from their initial trio of uh support uh supporting characters into you know what they ended up later with 13 and Taub and, and Kuttner and everybody who came later uh, I I think that for the most part they did a good job I don't where, where do you fall on that Amanda I I, I agree with Simon um whereas uh in that when House is interacting with only a few people every day for months and years on end, that can get tiring. And you have to come up with different ways to make it fresh every single episode. And I think they did a smart thing in season four where they um, they said goodbye to the main three trio. And they, they introduced 12 new fellows and they whittled it down to four. And that really gave Hugh Laurie as House a lot of um, material to work with as uh, dealing with new characters and having all these new relationships to try to, you know, either um, pursue a relationship or just, you know, shut a person out altogether, you know, on site. And that was probably the high point of the series where they introduced new characters because you really don't want to see the same people all the time. Whereas with some shows, you want those characters to stay. You you hate when they leave. Whereas with House, it was a little more welcome because you were interested in how he's going to deal with new people and new situations. And that was when House was at, at its peak with, in season four. And that was unfortunately during the writer's strike where they had to cut the, se- the season short. But um, it, was a, it was a great year for House. And it was, I do believe that's when they were at their peak of viewers. They were at uh, 86 million viewers worldwide. Wow. And <laughs> yes. Um, it, in 2008, House was the number one show in the world. It was, it was doing quite well. And um, I think it was after season five it started to decline. But... Um, that's really when you've you they had to decide um, after a few seasons after that that you know they'd run its course in season eight and uh, season five really was the end of the classic house where you know it's just things started to change actors kept coming in and out and um, season four was definitely the pinnacle of its success. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that the the ratings, of course, you know, on the shows we're talking about, like Louie, which we love, couldn't get a million viewers by the end. The concept of over, you know, almost 90 million viewers a week is just staggering to me. Um, but, uh, wow, sorry, I'm just distracted by the, the sheer ridiculousness of, of, of the, the viewership for, for this show. But, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess... I'm curious. Let let's uh, say of the supporting cast, who who our favorites are, what what storylines we think worked the best. Because I I know let's start with you, Simon. I know you're not a fan, but did any of uh, these uh, these more tertiary characters uh, stick in your memory? Well, I mean, I I agree with Amanda that the the portion of the show where they first introduce where they they first sack everyone and then introduce the. Uh, the newbies is a really good portion of the show. I'm not sure how much of that has to do with the strength of those supporting characters, though. Um, not to discredit any of those actors, but to me, uh, like Amanda said, I, I, it was all about sort of charting House House's reactions to the, all this new stimuli. Um, I'm really struggling to think of non-Wilson stories that I'm interested in, to be honest. I think a big one that pops uh, into people's minds at least in the last portion of the show, is probably 13 and her diagnosis with Huntington's and, and the uh, the journey we saw that character take. And, of course, this is the show that really introduced people to Olivia Wilde, who kind of exploded for a bit there with, with Tron and Cowboys and Aliens. 
what I mean, there's that. I mean, of course, there's the incredibly memorable way that they dealt with both Cutner and Amber. I think Amber was one of the the most interesting. Um, like when they when they got rid of that character and uh, Dudek is so fabulous on the show. The way that they brought her back in was really smart, and then to to take her away again in the way that they did, I think was really effective. Um, how about you, Amanda? Which which of the intern type uh, characters? are the ones that, that most stand out to you? Of the of the new cast, I think um, Anne Dudek as Amber, she definitely was one of my favorites. And uh, one of my favorite episodes with her was the episode Games, where she interacts a lot with Jeremy Renner. And uh, he's, he guest stars as a, as a rock star. And it's really an episode that introduced Jeremy Renner to a lot of television audiences because he was on House in 2007. And then a year later, he went on to star in Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker. So that was sort of a platform for him to, be, you know, into his stardom. And it was really interesting seeing him on House before all of that happens. And his interactions with Dudek and House are really interesting in this episode. It's the episode where she um, she gets fired. And there's a lot of really interesting personal dynamics going on. And it's I think of the 2008 season, I think that's the 2000, that's the season four Um of the season four, that's the most memorable episode with the new actors. Um, with the older cast, which was Jennifer Morrison and J.C. Spencer and Omar Epps, um, the pilot is a great episode. It's a great episode to introduce the characters. It has a lot of uh, Sherlock Holmes references that are really subtle, but they're there. It just sort of eases you into the style of it. And I think that's one of my favorites is the pilot. Yeah, it is a strong pilot. It, it catches you pretty quickly. And I think, we, I mean, we haven't talked yet about... Uh... Uh, Cuddy, who I think we we do need to get to, but we haven't talked yet about uh, how fantastic Hugh Laurie is, and also Robert Sean Leonard as, as our main main duo. And I mean, as somebody who had was a big fan of uh, of Jeeves and Wooster uh, growing up, thank you PBS. Uh, the uh, see, seeing him with this just this sort of strange American accent, which I think is was such a great choice on this show. I mean, he immediately grabs your attention and. Uh, and holds it for this entire show. I don't believe he ever got an Emmy, right? He got constantly nominated, but never won. Always a bridesmaid. Um, I do believe he won other awards. Uh, he might have won a Golden Globe, but I'm not sure he won an oh, Emmy. A Golden Globe that's adorable. <laughs> 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 but, but I think he does a great job. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, he's obviously the the main reason to keep watching the show, even when it's not really working. He he doesn't really ever have have an off episode even when the writing takes us to places that we don't necessarily care about uh but but robert sean leonard is is just as good and i i remember seeing him in all kinds of american art house stuff in the early 90s like stuff by richard linklater and Whit stillman and he's he's always good and it was i'm i'm glad that he got to sort of settle into a, a role that um made him lots and lots of money <laughs> well and for me he was always oh that kid from uh from goodwill hunting he's in something again and he's good so i was you know glad to finally learn his name and and erase him you know i always hate having people in my memory as that person from uh so was, it, I... was it goodwill hunting or dead poet society oh sorry yes you're right dead poets <laughs> i haven't seen Deedle you're getting hunting. your inspirational teacher movies confused yeah yeah clearly because I've seen and enjoyed one, and I haven't even seen the other. So clearly, I, I need to uh, revisit, shall we say? 
Um, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it's a, it's a strong performance, and I do think a lot of the times uh, Leonard got some, you know, not as he he didn't get these showy episodes. You know, he got maybe one or two with uh, what happened with Amber and with some cancer storylines. Uh, of course, the character's an oncologist. That gave him a little more to do. But for, for the most part, I think, you know, Wilson's a pretty thankless role. And and I think, you know, Watson often is a thankless role. And I think uh, he does a lot to really ground the show and allow you to like House. Well, I think it, it, as long as we're talking about Wilson, one of the better late-run episodes that I saw is actually just called Wilson. Mm. And it's uh, it's very Wilson centric. I think it's in season six, I want to say. Um, and it really just points out that he maybe he can't he couldn't anchor his own show necessarily. He wouldn't be as enthralling as house, but he can he can run a reasonably good facsimile. Yeah. Well, and I know he left uh, the show for at least a while. He reduced his presence on it because he was off busy doing Broadway and, and other things like this. So I'm sure he's just as in demand now as he was uh, before. But yeah, heaps of cash. It's it's a good thing. And another person that I, we have to talk about, and I we teased it a little earlier, is we got to talk about Lisa Edelstein as, as Cuddy. It's so great to see her finally succeed on a show because so, for so long she was uh, the show, the character who they brought in at the end and then the show got canceled or she had these really memorable arcs. Of course, she's great in the first season of uh, The West Wing, but it, it's, it was so nice to finally cross her off that list of people they like to call show killers. And I think she's great. And I think she does. Again, she she makes the show work because without that, that Cuddy and House dynamic, I don't think they get eight seasons. Although that's maybe even a more thankless role than Wilson, to be honest. Yeah, the, some of the clothes and the hair they put her in is just kind of unfortunate, I think, especially towards the end of the run, let alone the material they give her to work with. But I, I mean, I think she's great. Amanda, what do you think? In reference to Sherlock Holmes, she sort of plays the role of the Irene Adler character. She's the one that always bests House. She's the one that gets him and uh, puts him in his place. And there's a there's a dynamic going on where they're always battling, and she's, in the end, she's the one that you know she gets she becomes free of him, and in a way she is more she does have a more thankless role than Wilson because she doesn't appear in the last season where if her character had been continued to that effect she would have had a lot more um, impact on the ending she would have it the whole finale would have been a lot different if they'd been able to include Lisa Edelston as Cuddy. Um, but unfortunately, she departed in the end of season um, seven. Well, let's be honest, though. Uh, they they chose not to. She wanted to come back. and uh, But she, apparently she was asking for too much money. They didn't want to pay her, and they decided so they decided not to. It's not like she got so busy doing other projects or she got sick or anything. This is not an Andy Whitfield situation. Right, right. Um, but she, throughout the entire series, she she has a great role. She's always there to um, either undermine House or for him to undermine her. And uh, it's really what makes the show so interesting in that way is that he's he's always joined with Wilson and then he's always battling Cuddy. And um, that's really what drove a lot of the episodes. And um, it was a shame to see her go, but she was really enjoyable for her entire run. Yeah, I always think of her as some sort of combination of Irene Adler with also a bit of Lestrade in there. Right. And I think that that kind of works because otherwise it's so easy. And and of course, the characters on the show fall into a rhythm and you can turn on an episode and you probably, you know, about 
30 seconds in, you know, it's not lupus and you, you know, you, you know, uh, roughly probably the, the arc that the episode is going to take. But, uh, but I still think that having a, that little alteration to the Lestrade character goes a long way to, to making that, you know, that three person dynamic a lot more interesting. Um, let's talk, you know, uh, a few favorite episodes. Uh, one of the ones that, I mean, of course, one of the ones people always talk about is three stories from season one, the one where we find out, of course, the secret behind House's uh, limp. But uh, uh, what did you, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or what are other episodes that come to mind? Uh, that that one I, I made sure, I hadn't seen before and made sure to watch before we recorded the segment. It's really good. And it's also, it's a, that was written by David Shore and it's a great example of the nimble way he uh, he can structure and sort of play with the structure of episodes and uh, just the, the way he's um, the way house's flashbacks are all sort of free form. And sometimes it's, they're the real people and sometimes they're Carmen Electra <laughs> and uh, you know, just, just the, the way he lets house run wild with sort of the imagery and, and the, um, and the pacing of the episode is, is quite something. Amanda, how about you? Any uh, standard episodes? My favorite episodes have always been the pilot, of course, and also the season four finale, um, House's Head and Wilson's Heart, where they um, they kill off Amber. And it's one of the most uh, impactful episodes because it really determines where the show's going to go from there. And it, it gives you that question of um, are, will House and Wilson's relationship survive this devastating loss? And um, it puts both of them in such a shaky place. And it's so well done. There's so many special effects and also great character moments that, you know, don't have those special effects that are just really um, focused on the moment. And um, that's really where you see House at his best is the whole season four run that leads up to this episode, this two hour um, special. And it's always been one of my favorites. It was it's it's such a great season end. Um, and also three stories. That's a great episode. It was the first episode that they were nominated for an Emmy that really began their Emmy run. It is one of uh, Hugh Laurie's finest episodes. Hugh Laurie as House, he does such a great job making his role um, effortless. His performance is always so spot on. And um, his performance as an American is so um, believable. It's so natural. And there's this great book by uh, Ian Jackson. It's called House, the Official Guide to the Hit Medical Drama. And uh, Hugh Laurie writes the foreword for it. Hugh Laurie uh, describes a day of shooting House and what he has to do to prepare. And it just seems so effortless. And it just really shows what a great actor he is, that he can go in there and he can do that role and he can switch it on and off and just seems so perfect for it. Um, when he auditioned for the show, they actually thought that he was an American because he did his entire audition tape um, in his American accent. And it's it's just such, such a, a neat thing to see him um, get the praise that he did because he did an, an, an excellent job the entire show. Well, yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, obviously he's fabulous. And I do think the best episodes of this series are, are the ones that focus more on, on these characters and these actors and really allow them some, some leeway to, 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 to do more interesting things than, you know, what could the disease of the week be? And I also, I think the ones that have a little more uh, visual creativity tend to be better. So when we get, uh, when we get you know the death of amber we get when we get the hallucinations of her when we get uh the the episode where house gets shot 
and uh, you, know, you spend a significant portion of it in his mind. You know, these are the ones that, for me, stand out the most. And obviously, of course, it is a really strong pilot as well. And I think the, it's, the way that they end the series is actually pretty fun, too. It's a nice little wraparound nod to uh, the Reichenbach fall, the falls of Reichenbach, that is, and uh, and the death of, of Sherlock Holmes, or maybe not so much. Um, and so, I, you know, I, th- I think it really often comes down to the episodes that though though they do though they do such a great job with their procedural and their more format based you know shows though this is a this is a good procedural it's a good reliable you can turn it on you know what to expect and it's probably going to deliver um i think the ones where they let every the creative team break out from that are where they're more where they are most uh successful um but let let's go around and do some uh, final thoughts here about the series uh yeah we haven't talked about of course the the CG which was so in, inventive at the time it was such a, a big deal zooming into the uh inside of blood vessels and and bodies and all of that uh are there, is there anything else that comes to mind uh well i i just wanted to mention if you like House, you probably already know about this, but I uh, I always loved reading, even for episodes I didn't watch, I always loved reading the medical reviews over on Polite Descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this guy basically, he also does other shows, like he's now even reviewing The Mob Doctor, um, <laughs> which I'm sure is a lot of fun. But he, he goes through the episode and sort of rates it based on how accurate the medicine is, as well as how enthralling the so, sort of soapier aspects are, uh, without ignoring either one. Uh, so I always found that interesting. And I've always been slightly annoyed with House also for tainting uh, Teardrop by Massive Attack, which I can now only think of as the song from House, even though it was <laughs> something I grew up with. So thanks, House. Thanks, House. Picking good music to use. Whatever. <laughs> Amanda, how about you? I wanted to point out that uh, later on in this series, they really kind of dropped those CG effects where they go into the human mo- the body and they you know explain what's going on. And a lot of the times more of the cases were psychological where they really just had to deal with house um, his interactions with the patients. You didn't get to see those effects and um, which originally started as models, which were, you know, either clay or plastic and they would zoom in and they would uh, distort the colors and it would look CG. It would look really great. And uh, it was only later on that they actually transitioned to CG effects after they were done with the models. And oh, that's, um, yeah. that's one of the things I noted is as the series was moving to its, um, to its end, they really didn't have as much of those effects, and they really um, came. They brought them back near the end with season eight, as they had a lot more of them. They were just trying to, you know, bring back all the things that we loved about House, and even a lot of the classic characters. They started bringing them back um, in a way to sort of um, prepare us for the end. So it really had a lot of things going for it. A lot of really interesting characters, a lot of dynamics, a lot of um, stories that were they were fun in themselves, but they were also great in um, building up to either each season's finale or um, you know characters' departures. And uh, it's it's a show that I was always a fan of, and I'm I'm sad to see it gone, but I'm also glad that it didn't go on for too long to where it was stretched too thin and there wasn't really much to to deal with. Yeah, it did, uh, you know, obviously there's always peaks and valleys, but it did go out, I think, in, in a pretty strong and reliable manner. So that that's always encouraging. Uh, the things that I would mention as my final thoughts, first of all, I think there's a lot of really fun guest appearances over the course of the show, way too many to mention here, but I think they did a, a good job with their casting and, uh, and bringing in people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to uh, be some of the patients. 
Uh, also, <laughs> it's always I, there have been a couple times in my life where you know via friends and family members somebody gets some strange disease and and I remember it from an episode of House and that's how you know it's not good you know it's like like I saw that on House once oh crap it's really rare yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, they, they do, like you said, Simon, they do make it interesting if you want to examine that side of things. Um, but I guess the last thing I would mention is I, it's been great to see the this cast, for the most part, be able to move on to new stuff. I mean, Jesse Spencer is, of course, on the new show, uh, Chicago Fire. I'm not a big fan of that show, but still, hey, it's nice to see him working. And, of course, Jennifer Morrison is just, you know, is doing Once Upon a Time, which is a massive hit for ABC. So hopefully some more of this cast will, uh, this you know, ensemble cast. Oh, and then, of course, Cal Penn is busy working at the White House. So uh, hopefully uh, more of this cast will be able to break through, because I do think that they're all... They're all pretty great. So, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on to help us talk house. Uh, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, listeners can find me on Twitter. I'm at Future Pixarian. I'm, I tweet frequently, so um, I really don't miss a lot when I'm on there. So, so that's where they can find me. Well, and of course, you have, uh, you're reviewing NCIS for us on Tuesdays. Yes, yes. I, I review NCIS. So that's weekly, and we're getting into the show just two episodes in so far. Yeah, you're dragging us into the mainstream here. I don't <laughs> know if we can deal with that. Ah, but they're good reviews, and, and of course, you're fabulous. So thank you again so much for coming on and, and for contributing to, to Sound on Sight. Um, and uh, I guess that was, of course, we've gone long, like we always do, but I guess that's where we will leave it. So thank you, Amanda, again for coming on, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Television. <laughs>